Welcome to the Inside Muskegon Podcast with your host, Jason Pisecki. And now, here's Inside Muskegon. Welcome to Inside Muskegon. This is episode number 43. I'm Jason Pisecki. The Inside Muskegon Podcast is a weekly show featuring interviews with community leaders and comments from everyday people from Muskegon, Michigan. The goal of the podcast is to engage Muskegonites in a dialogue about the issues that affect our everyday lives. This week's show features an interview with Roger Spolman, a commentary on the interview, and information on contacting Inside Muskegon. Our interview this week is with Roger Spolman, the CEO and President of Mercy General Health Partners. I'm here with Roger Spolman with Mercy General. Thank you for taking the time out with Inside Muskegon. Thank you, Jason. Glad to be here. Why don't we start out talking a little bit about your background? Okay. Uh, I'm a Muskegon native, actually. I don't know if you knew that, but I uh, grew up here, went to high school here, moved away to go to college, and really thought I'd never be back. But I've been back a couple of times. I've lived other parts of the country and um, New York State, Illinois, Wisconsin, and and I had the opportunity to come back uh, the second time in 1981, and I've been involved in healthcare really since that time. It's, uh, I've followed a very similar path in my life. Grew up in Muskegon and spent some time away in the Detroit area and really happy to be back here now. It's a great place. Oh, it absolutely is. Let's uh, get into a little bit about the history of what I'm sure started out as Mercy Hospital and is now Mercy General Health Partners in Muskegon. Well, I, as I said, I came back in 1981 to Muskegon. At that time, I was an exercise physiologist. That was uh, one of the several backgrounds, several jobs that I did in the past. But uh, started working for Muskegon General, and was my specialty in that at that time was cardiac rehab and adult fitness, and had several other jobs, including marketing and development and public relations and that sort of thing. But I was an assistant administrator, and then became president of Muskegon General in 1987. Well, we did quite well and looked. we started looking for a partner, a strategic partner, in uh, about 95. We thought we'd try and find a par- partner before we really needed one. And so we, we looked around and had quite a few conversations and ended up partnering with Mercy Hospital. And that we did a joint operating agreement was the form that it took in 1995, and then it progressed into a merger very shortly thereafter. So the original, or it started out as Muskegon General. It was a, two separate hospitals. Mercy uh-huh. Hospital, owned by Sisters of Mercy, and then Muskegon General Hospital, just a, a, one of our community hospitals here. Note to self, do research before asking the <laughs> <my> question. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Uh, why don't we go into a little bit about the health challenges in Muskegon County? Well, one of the things that really is a challenge is the fact that Muskegon um, is a very diverse population, very diverse here, and Muskegon really suffers from a great deal of um, disease, heart disease, and diabetes. Those are some significant health challenges that we have in our community. And, you know, people say, why is Muskegon any worse than any other community? And a lot of it is because it's uh, uh, cultural attitudes toward dietary selections, cultural attitudes or, or traditional attitudes toward exercise 
and that sort of thing. So, so we really do have a disproportionately high population of, uh, of kidney disease and heart disease. Well, with any kind of challenge, there are opportunities to live healthier lives through either through education or through health care. What are some of the opportunities through partnering with someone like Mercy General that the people in Muskegon could take advantage of to, to live healthier? Well, thanks. It's a good question. We are working particularly in the area of diabetes, trying to gather all the resources in the community together, um, Hackley Hospital, the health, uh, Muskegon Community Health Project, uh, the health department, and we're trying to partner with organizations like churches in Muskegon Heights and and all over the community, but to to see if we can um, identify sort of non-traditional settings so that we can provide health care information so people can learn to take better care of themselves, take make better choices. So we've got we've got dietitians, we've got exercise physiologists, we have physicians, primary care and specialists, we have specially trained nurses, all these resources that you would think are just available for people who are sick, but we're really trying to use those resources to help people identify ways to keep themselves healthy before they get sick. Well, I I think that certainly makes sense that a little bit of prevention and education can help with uh, one of the big things that's constantly in the news is skyrocketing medical costs. And sure. the the reasons uh, for that, just in, in your opinion briefly, I don't want to get into like a big discussion of why <laughs> everything costs so much. Because, okay. you know, I could be probably accused of the same thing in my business with, with websites and why sure. do websites and podcasts and things like that cost so much. But really... Um, Aside from the education thing, what what are the big things that factor into the cost of uh, healthcare? Well, that's a, again a great question, Jason. It's really um, it's you and me. You know, we're we are responsible for the high cost of healthcare, and I'll tell you why. Uh, partially, partially, we ultimately make the decisions uh, of when to access the healthcare system. We choose whether we should go to an emergency department uh, because it meets our uh, it's convenient for us, or to wait if it's not so serious, not an emergency situation. We we can choose to wait and go to our doctor, make an appointment. Um, there's a cost differential. It's much more expensive to go to the emergency department than to wait for your doctor. But you know we thrive on convenience, and so so that is one reason. Another reason is um, you've probably noticed, like everybody else, uh, that there's this trend toward direct-to-consumer marketing. You can't watch a television show or read a magazine uh, or newspaper without seeing these huge ads or hearing these ads about uh, pharmaceuticals. And, and they're trying to make a case. They're trying to be very convincing and make a case to us that we are suffering from these symptoms and we need to talk to our doctor about whether or not it would be appropriate for him or her to, dis- to prescribe this medication for us. That's just crazy. Um, you know, one other thing... And that is that um, you're an expert in marketing, and but you know, I'm sure, that healthcare marketing is very different because traditionally there is demand and supply is created to meet the demand. And it seems that in healthcare it's backwards because with all the research we're able to do, research and development and new discoveries, we, we create supply in search of demand. I, I think that is an excellent point. And as someone who's in marketing and advertising for my profession, I really 
personally, I mean, just as a personal, I get sick of all the advertisements that you see on TV. And I would gladly, you know, call my local legislator and and look for a ban on television advertising or print advertising for some of these, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals and medical things. I know that every business has a right to make money and they, they shouldn't be inhibited, but maybe some sort of restriction, yeah. you know, could be put in place. I mean... Well, and the doctors really don't appreciate it either because the ads actually, um, some of them are so bold as to actually encourage readers to tear off the bottom portion of this ad and bring it to your doctor. You might get a free two-week supply of this drug. You know, the doctor really doesn't want the patient to come and convince them what medication to write a prescription for. Uh, That's a little demeaning. They've spent a lot of years training themselves in diagnosis and treatment and to be sort of manipulated, for the patient to be manipulated by the drug company um, you know, that doesn't set well. Yeah. So I guess there goes any big, uh, pharmaceutical clients I ever would have got. Sorry. But, uh, yeah. I guess yeah. that's, a, that's the way it goes. Uh, <laughs> um, talk with us a little bit about the role that employers can play with encouraging physical fitness with their employees and in turn, hopefully helping them lead healthier lives. Well, it's a, again, uh, that's an interesting topic because we know that most of uh, disease today is not necessarily in, inherited. You know, I talked earlier about the fact that um, heart and vascular disease, we have a disproportionately high rate of heart and vascular disease in our community in Western, in, here in Muskegon. And, and a lot of people say, well, I just have bad genes. You know, I just, uh, I inherited that from my parents. Well, there is a genetic, there is a, you know, seriously a genetic predisposition toward heart disease, but it's so small. It's only about two and a half percent of the population who are actually genetically predisposed to heart disease. But uh, I talked also earlier about cultural and traditional norms. And, and if you grow up in a family, like I did, that every meal has to be followed by dessert. And my mom was an excellent baker and we always had you know, sweets and that sort of thing, you know, then you carry those habits with you in the rest of life. It's not bad to eat those things, but you just have to burn them up or eat them in moderation. And, and exercise is really a valuable part. Well, if, if exercise isn't uh, valued in your family, if you get in the car to go two blocks, um, that says something about your attitude toward exercise. So employers, and getting back to your question, Employers can save a lot of money by encouraging healthy behaviors on the part of their employees, by making it possible and easier. Uh, a lot of companies have exercise rooms or they encourage their employees to, uh, to exercise by subsidizing or providing health club memberships or memberships to the YMCA. Um, th- there's a lot of things that employers can do to encourage healthy lifestyles and to encourage exercise. There's a lot of reporting in the uh, media about maybe a little bit of perceived oversaturation of services by the healthcare providers, yourself or Hackley Hospital. Sure. Um, and I've read some interesting editorial and responses from you on that subject. Uh, maybe you could speak to that a little bit because Muskegon is a community of 170,000 people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think some people do get concerned when there's maybe a little bit of too much of a good thing or too much competition in certain areas. What would your response be to that? Well, you know, it's a pretty controversial issue, as you've identified. I don't mind at all talking about it. Um, You know, some people say, 
uh, competition in healthcare is really a bad thing. Then there are other people who turn around and say, boy, I'm sure glad there's competition in healthcare because that makes uh, everybody sharper. Everybody's on their toes trying to provide a better service. So that's, again, people are are, uh, entitled to their opinion and there are lots of them about that. But when you say oversaturation or duplication, some people talk about Mm -hmm. duplication of certain services. And and lately the topic or the issue seems to be uh, whether or not Muskegon General should be allowed to provide radiation on uh, it's a very objective process. The state is governed by certificate of need rules, and, and it's a very objective process. They say if you, if you are generating enough uh, patients in your system, your unique system, then you should be allowed to do this. And, and so that's kind of an open and shut case. The state has said, yeah, you can do this. You, you have enough patient base to supply this piece of equipment or to uh, utilize this piece of equipment. So that really, the controversy has been wrung out of that part of the issue. Um, The other thing is that we've been providing cancer services, cancer care in the community since before 1993. So, you know, quite a while. And uh, we just haven't provided radiation oncology all that time. We've provided medical oncology, chemotherapy, and other supportive services but our patients, through a series of focus groups, again, back to the marketing issue, you know, they began saying, man, I, I really appreciate being able to come here. I love the staff, the physicians, uh, the lab, all that stuff. But please don't send me out of the system for my chemotherapy, or for my, uh, excuse me, radiation oncology to, ba- to have my radiation treatments. And when you're in the middle of that, you're just not feeling well, you're sick. Uh, and it's really a chore. And so people have said it would be great. That's one thing you could do to improve the entire process is to provide the complete range of of, uh, cancer services right here within this system. So we're just trying to respond to our patients. And we have over 12,000 patients that we serve uh, annually uh, in in that area of cancer care. What does the future hold for Mercy General? Any exciting new projects on tap? Well, this is one that I've been talking about. We we are in the process of uh, finalizing plans to add radiation therapy. Um, we also are are doing some other things that maybe aren't as visible in the community. We're just we continue to grow our service lines and to make sure that we meet the needs of our our patients, but we're working very, very hard to uh, provide leadership in um, in the in the healthcare area throughout the community. As I said earlier, trying to reach into the communities in some non-traditional ways through schools and churches and and service clubs, and try and make um, what we have the resources we have available to the community. All right, we're going to move on to our final question, and I usually word this as a pitch, and I don't know if I want to make you know a pitch one one hospital, one healthcare sure. provider over another, but I think one of the biggest things that you touched on, and the things that we can do as Muskegon residents, is to lead healthier lifestyles. A little bit of you know an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, and I want to uh, ask it more in the form of that as. You have one minute alone with a Muskegon resident considering a more healthy lifestyle. Make your pitch to get them to live healthier. Oh, okay. Um, I, I would I would certainly talk about the the uh, the preventive aspect of things. That's my background as an exercise physiologist, and definitely. I mean, I'm a daily runner. Uh, I 
I have weird, some people would say I have weird eating habits, but I don't uh, eat anything that uh, walks or flies, you know, (laughs) (laughs) if you will. But, but, um, you know, no, you don't have to do that. You just have to look for opportunities to add exercise or add a little bit of activity to your lives. Not only will it help you control your weight, but it'll help control things like blood pressure, which you may not, if you have high blood pressure, you may not even know you have it, but it can be a very debilitating disease. It can help circulation, which is one of the problems that comes from diabetes, poor circulation, which uh, can ravage your body. You begin to lose limbs, a toe at a time, a finger at a time. Um, and, and you don't want to do that. Exercise can certainly help that because it helps you maintain your weight, proper weight, uh, and control the uh, buildup of insulin in your system. So uh, exercise is a small investment that pays huge dividends and it also pays financial dividends because you won't be having lots of medications perhaps for either for blood pressure or cholesterol management and that sort of thing. And, and maybe even for your mental health, your uh, emotional and mental health as well. So the single most important thing you can do is exercise. Well said. Well, thank you very much, Roger. Really appreciated it. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me, Jason. In Inside Muskegon number 37, we had our first dose of Mercy General Health Partners when our guest was Sonia Williams, their chief OBGYN resident at the time. So rather than spend a lot of time focusing on the state of health care in Muskegon, I'm going to instead focus on an issue that came to light with Roger Spolman when I met him for the first time last year during Leadership Muskegon, and that subject is leadership. Roger gave a great presentation on leadership, and he discussed his philosophy and shared some books on leadership like Good to Great. Leadership is broadly defined as the ability to lead, and that's a simple enough concept, but the manner in which people lead their businesses and organizations is as different as the products and services they offer. Visiting with him again for this podcast made me think of all the business leaders I've had the opportunity to interview in the 40-plus episodes of this podcast. Also got me thinking about the role of the leader in Muskegon and how we're so fortunate to have so many good leaders in our community. And also got me focused on examining what the leader's purpose is. And one thing I found that really summarizes it very well is that the leader's purpose is to unleash energy and enthusiasm by creating a vision that others find inspiring and motivating. I think that is something that we can all take to our businesses and organizations, whether we are the leaders or part of the team. And the leader's role really is to provide a living example to kind of walk the talk and coach others and teach and mentor and bring people along. I'd invite you to go back through the podcast archive and observe some of the contrasting styles of the Muskegon leaders we've interviewed. Simply click on the episodes link at the top of the page and go back and you can listen to any of the interviews with these leaders. I was amazed when I went back through them and found just how many different leadership styles they really are and how they all can be effective. And also, if you'd like more information on Mercy General Health Partners, you can listen to the commentary on episode number 37 of the podcast or visit mghp.com. I'm going to move on now to some listener feedback. And for the latest feedback, you can always visit our website at InsideMuskegon.com. Feedback can also be left via voicemail at 231-354-2332. 
When dialing, be sure to include the 1 and 231 and leave your first name and city in the message. That brings us to the conclusion of episode number 43 of Inside Muskegon. For more information, visit our website at InsideMuskegon.com. Inside Muskegon is produced by Jeremy Sear. For Inside Muskegon, I'm Jason Pisecki. Feedback is welcome at Jason at InsideMuskegon.com. This has been the Inside Muskegon Podcast. Comments are welcome through our website or by emailing jason at insidemuskegon.com.